2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Hello and welcome to Mediumship Matters with me, Hannah McIntyre. How are you doing? I can't believe we hit 100 episodes of Season 3 already. Isn't it marvellous? We just keep on going and I wanted to talk today just before I delve into your communications a little bit about wobbles and fear and stuff. Now I know that I've talked about that quite a bit on my journey on this podcast but I wanted to let you know it's still something that I have to deal with, the imposter syndrome, the judgments, all of the stuff all of the time. And even as I progress through doing this podcast, at the moment, it's so weird. I still have resistance um, that I'm going to run out of stuff to say. And whenever I voice this fear to anybody, they always laugh at me and say, you never... But it's still there. Nonetheless, this fear that I'm going to run out of being inspired, that spirit are going to get bored with me, that I'm doing this for the wrong energy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just wanted to share that with you because I still, I think on some level, hold on to that idea that if it's meant for me, it will be easy um, and that if spirit communication is where they want me to be, they will make that easier. And even though I know, it's like thoughts have layers, don't they? You have the the one, the intellect, you have your spirit talking to you and telling you you can do anything you want to. Then you have your intellect that says well, it's been okay so far, so just keep on going. But then you also have the sort of programming that runs underneath, virtually silently, but still changing the way you think, saying you're going to run out of ideas soon or other unhelpful things. And if you are one of those people that has a wobble all the time, I just wanted you to know, me too. And I kind of feel sorry for Spirit, the number of times that they have proven themselves to me again and again and again and yet I'm still going yeah but was that really spirit or was that me I was even thinking this morning I wonder because we've got all this AI stuff happening I'm wondering at what point it reaches where you can say to AI do me a mediumship reading and how much they will get right just on odds or I don't know. It's just funny, isn't it? So even after all of this time of working with spirit and spirit proving themselves to me again and again and again, I still think, "Yeah, but was I good enough? Did I hit enough ticks in the boxes? Was it specific enough, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. It's it's such a roller coaster. Such a roller coaster. And I think that's normal. So if you are lying in bed at night, going On one hand, thank you, Spirit, for an amazing day. Thank you for the signs you gave me. Thank you for your continued presence in my life. And at the same time, having a conversation with your intrusive thoughts that are going, yeah, but are they really with you? What happens if there's nothing more? If there's just a blackness? What happens if that was just luck? If you throw enough darts at a dartboard, you're bound to hit a bullseye eventually. You're not alone. And more so, I don't think that that can go if that's the way that you are built. I often think back to when I first started working with and for Spirit and I was doing Reiki and I was doing card readings and I think about how much easier that energy was and I didn't realise it then and me being me always wanting to do everything, sort of bulldozed into doing evidential and pushed myself and pushed myself and pushed myself to improve my connection. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm really glad I did. But you knew there was a but coming, didn't you? There is also that part of me that wishes I could go back to when it was just magical and when it was just enough. There's a real difference I think with spirit guide readings and oracle cards versus evidential and evidential is a very very different energy to sit in and you are always wondering if you've been specific enough and delved deep enough and surrendered enough and you just don't have that in the same way when you've got the comfort of cards or what you're seeing in a crystal ball or spirit guides and that kind of thing. So interesting. So wherever you are in your journey, I just wanted to say, you know, we're all together here. And wobbles, I think, are normal. Well, I hope they are. Imagine if the wobbles are spirits speaking to me all the time going, stop, don't do this. We don't want you to do this. We want you to do something else with your life. And I'm there going, oh, I keep getting wobbles. (laughs) I don't think that's what it is. But it is fascinating. To just acknowledge the roller coaster rather than just blanket positivity. Don't you think? Maybe not. <sighs> I've been going back to the beginning and listening to Law of Attraction, the uh, recordings from Abraham Hicks from the 80s. And whilst there are some parts of it I really, absolutely love, There are some parts of it that just don't resonate with me at all. And one of the things I don't like about it is the almost gaslighty energy of, we'll just think positive, we'll just think positive. Because although we all know that thinking positive is great and useful and the attitude of gratitude will change your life, we all know that, don't we? There's also nothing worse than when you've had a shitty time than some do-gooder coming over to you and saying, have you tried thinking positively? And uh, it's been quite eye-opening for me, I guess, listening to the beginning downloads. Not because I disagree necessarily, but just of the directness of the delivery of it, perhaps, although there are elements I disagree with. (laughs) yeah there there is um if you've ever listened to it you'll know there is something about children being abused um because they have manifested that because they've tuned into the adult thoughts that are around them which seems i don't know how i feel about that one but aside from that it it's fascinating and the part of the reason it's fascinating is because as i think you know i've had a real thing about trance channeling and working with spirit I find it really fascinating that when we look at trance mediumship which for those of you that don't know just in case it's when you allow a spirit to enter your body and speak through your physical self when we look at trance mediumship there's the idea that it is the words of spirit that there is nothing but the words of spirit coming out of the medium's mouth and I just can't let that go because I don't think that's true. I think that spirit can only speak through us of stuff that we know in our language. And I know I've mentioned language to you before, but it's still a good point. I still stand by it. If it's spirit speaking through you, you don't need an interpreter. I will have that communication in German, please. So if that's not the case. And we know that's not the case. It's quite interesting to sit with. So I have no doubt that Esther, in her unfoldment and her journey with spirit, has expanded her consciousness to be able to receive slightly differing communications from Abraham. I have no doubt about that. So it's quite interesting to go back to the beginning and look at it. I I mean, I've been doing that with this podcast, going back and listening to earlier episodes to see if I've changed my opinion, to see if I've grown, to see if my understanding has shifted. Because it's kind of fascinating, isn't it? The growth and the change in us all. And I may have told you this story, but I went um, to see a trance medium. Um, And I was really, really excited because as far as I was concerned they were going to speak to me in absolute truth because they were speaking the words of spirit. That's how it was publicised, that's how they advertise. And when I went to see them, they weren't because they got things wrong. And there's no way, there's just no way spirit get things wrong. So it must be the medium, which means the voice, the words that are coming out of the medium's mouth are not solely the words of spirit. There's part of the medium in there. And I guess that's the same with Esther Hicks. I mean, she's never directly said, I don't think that she's a trance medium, but it must be her words or her understandings or her interpreting it to put this information out there. I love it. I love it because I think the more that we understand how mediumship works, the better mediumship will become. The more we'll be able to understand the limits or the lack of limits with different aspects of it. But I can tell you something for now. If you have got a a spirit speaking through a medium in trance and they are putting on a silly voice, that is them and not the spirit. When... Charles my trance guide comes through me he speaks he's very posh and he has a slightly different inflection to me but it's still my voice my voice doesn't change and I always whenever I see a trance medium and they get a child through and the child speaks like a puppet (laughs) from a punch and judy I think oh for goodness sake because I've never actually met a child that speaks like this let alone a trance guide, don't you know? Uh, So it's always, it's just fascinating to me. Again, through the limitations of us mediums and also expectation. If we know it's a child that's coming in to communicate with us, do we naturally just put our voices up like that because we think that's how children speak? I don't know. And if if your child does speak like this, no harm, no foul, didn't mean it. (laughs) Anyway... So these are my musings to set us off for episode 101. Where am I going? Um, Who knows, but we're all going there together, aren't we? Right, let's get some emails. So I just wanted to acknowledge how many people have messaged me. It's been really lovely trying to answer The question I asked about why do we want dark forces to exist? What is it about us as human beings where we would would rather have a universe where there is demonic attachments than where there is nothing but light and love? And I've got an email from the lovely Kelly that I wanted to read out for you. Hi, Hannah. First of all, hi. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I'm very new to spiritual development, but your words of wisdom and encouragement on your podcast and on social media have helped me come on leaps and bounds and I've been loving my newfound connection with spirit. I've had some amazing experiences so far thanks to all the tips you have shared. Yay! As someone who is new to the spiritual journey, I've always had so many questions and somehow every time I'm pondering my question, you then release a podcast episode or share a video on social media answering exactly that. The other day, I had started writing this email to you to ask your opinion on demons and trapped souls. I didn't get around to sending it for some reason. And then that same night, you shared a video on Instagram where you were talking about this exact same subject. Then two days later, you released a podcast episode. Number 99. Woohoo! Discussing this too. I am with you on the belief that there is no such thing as trapped souls on earth or demons in the spirit world. I believe that when people sense ghosts and feel a place is haunted, it is just the energy of certain highly emotional situations that gets left behind. I don't even think the energy needs to be left behind by a dead person. If there is enough emotion in a situation, I believe it becomes a life force energy of its own and will exist until somebody heals that energy if it needs healing. Hence, while we think about certain experiences from our past, the memories can still bring so much emotion as the energy of that moment is still called around us and existing as if it was a ghost. I've read some fascinating research about matrix re-imprinting, which can explain this further. So knowing that trapped souls and demons don't exist, you asked on your podcast the other day, why do people want to believe that it's true? I think your point about the Catholic Church is spot on. I truly feel that people don't want to believe there are trapped souls. They are just believing what they are told to believe. There have always been and will always be people in this world who seek to control others. And they know that knowledge is power. So instead of letting people know the truth, they tell them what to believe to keep them under control. The best way to control people is through fear. Fear makes us feel that we need to rely on others to lead us and tell us what to do rather than following our own intuition. That is why so many children are able to follow their intuition and are open to the spirit world because they haven't learned fear yet. The irony is that the demons people should be afraid of are not in the spirit world. They are walking among us, feeding us the fear we need to keep us from realising the light and magic that is within us all. Completely agree, Kelly. Completely. My original question I wanted to ask was about Ouija boards, as I know you have mentioned that you use them sometimes. I know there can be a lot of fear around them, but I'm not afraid of them because I know that I'm only asking for messages of love and light, just like when I'm using tarot cards, pendulums or trying to connect in my own mind. What I wanted to ask is, when people do a seance in a graveyard or an old haunted house for entertainment and they say that they have brought through an angry spirit who is threatening people and smashing glasses, are they actually connecting with residual angry energy that remains in that environment from past events? Or are they bringing through a spirit who is playing up to the crowd and giving them what they want for entertainment purposes? I have heard other mediums share stories of spirits pretending to be someone else too, which seems crazy to me. So is that what is happening or is it just the people involved manifesting the energy of something spooky because that's what they want to experience? When we watch scary films, we know it is just a film and yet can absolutely terrify ourselves because we are investing energy into that feeling to enhance our experience of the film. I'd love to hear your thoughts, please. Thank you so much. I'm excited to hear what you think. Keep up the amazing work. Wow, what an email Kelly. I love it. So, I believe personally when people are doing a Ouija board in a haunted house or in a graveyard, they are just tuned in to the f- fear and negativity frequency. I don't believe spirit ever take on that form. I don't believe that spirit pretend to be fearful for entertainment purposes because I don't think they want us to know that there's anything in the spirit world other than love. And so I think they call in an energy that is creepy for that reason. Now, I have done uh, quite a lot of spirit boards. And when I used to do them at the beginning, when I was still a little uncertain of the spirit world... They were never as successful as they are now. So now I am working with communicating with people's loved ones in the spirit world. And so their loved ones come through and they spell out amazing, amazing evidence. We've had names, we've had pregnancy announcements, we've had you know, proper evidence coming through on spirit boards. I mean, amazingly, once I had a lady's uh, dad come through and he, I think he spelt out his name. He definitely gave some great evidence, but his message to her was stop smoking. And um, a few months later after that, she found out she had cancer. Like there's some really incredible Amazing evidence that I've had come through on spirit boards. But that is because I believe I'm communicating with people's loved ones. And one of the things that I'm quite strict on when I do them with a group is that the people who are to partaking, who are there, don't come if they're afraid, because fear energy can wipe out the energy of a, phys- a spirit board. And it's not like you think it's going to be. So we don't sit around a candlelit table wearing uh, shawls around our heads and peering. We normally, I normally make everybody dance to black lace Superman, which everyone goes, oh no, but it gets everybody up and moving. We bring in a really bouncy, hyperactive, happy, high vibrational energy, the energy of a party. And then we are spirit to step forward. So it's not at all like, is there anybody there? Let me know if you're there. And it's much more like, woo, come and join the party. Who's there? Who wants to chat? Very different vibrationally. So I think if you're, if you've sold tickets because it's a spooky event, then you're not trying to communicate with people's loved ones in the spirit world. You're trying to co- to communicate with the outlaw who was hung from the outside of the pub in which you farmed yourself and that doesn't really exist in the spirit world so you're just calling in an energy for that now as for um spirits hang on there was something else you asked that i wanted to t- touch on S- medium share stories of spirits pretending to be someone else soon too that has never been an experience that i have had ever Spirit are always who they say they are and they don't make mistakes. And because that's never happened to me, I'm straight away going into a bit of a judgment on it, if I'm honest, which is why would spirit do that and is that not just the same as that thing where people say they've got walk-ins and I'm trying to do you a communication Brenda but the spirit from down the road has come in and ruined my mediumship when we know that spirit are intelligent and there's no way that some random spirit's going to come in and mess up a connection between Brenda and her father Um, and so I think I don't know why would a spirit pretend to be someone else I don't know Um, as I've never come across that, I can't really comment because I can only guess as to what, what the medium is talking about there, but that's never been my experience. They have always been who they say they are and they've never pretended to be anything different.
1: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Oh, it's a fascinating world, isn't it? I wonder, I wonder how much... I limit what I'm receiving because of my own ideas and limitations and understanding. Because we never know we're doing it in the moment. We only understand we've been doing it when we stop doing it and everything changes. And that has happened to me time and time again. Time and time again, I thought I've reached the pinnacle of what I'm able to reach in my mediumship. And then there's been something else that's come up. I love it. Okay, kind of on the same uh, theme, I've had an email from Binky, and Binky says, Hi, Hannah. I'm quite new to your podcast and the world of mediumship, but I absolutely love it. Apologies if you've covered this already, but I wanted to ask about demons and dark spirits. This is something that frightens me on a deep level, and I feel kept me from delving too deeply into spirituality at times. I've heard you talk about how you no longer believe in dark spirits, and how you believe sometimes spirits can be manifested by the imagination. This brought me some comfort. But how do you reconcile the fact that people have encountered the same spirits, demons? I've heard many stories about people describing the same figures in great detail without having heard stories about the spirit before having it had it described to them. For example, the night hag, an entity that people across different cultures, countries and periods of time have all described. People often encounter these figures and then only discover afterwards that other people have encountered the same entity. Could it be that these entities just exist in our collective consciousness? And if so, how does that make it different to to a spirit? I hope this makes sense. Feel free to paraphrase if you decide to read it on air. Thank you for your wonderful work and podcast. Oh, I love this question, Binky. So, number one, I'm going to put my really scientific, uh, no-nonsense head on and say... If we're going to look at things like a night hag, for example, it's very much like a witch. Witches is, is something that most people understand. Um, the crone energy, uh, because of what happened with the witchcraft act and all of that fear-mongering. And yes, I'm going on about the church again, guys, but it has damaged us for generations, so I'm not going to stop. But if you look at all of those, we have been taught to fear things like powerful old women who can connect to energy. So I do believe that that transcends across cultures. Do I believe it's a collective consciousness? No. I just think that there are things that's collectively spook us. And so those are the stories that are told. When we are, I mean, we're all afraid on themes, aren't we? Let's look at my nemesis Victorian dolls that people say have got demons in. Let's look at that one because that's always fun. Now that is collectively Something that we all find creepy. We all find little baby dolls spooky. And so they come up again and again. I remember back in the 90s watching a Taggart. It was a Scottish detective show for anyone overseas. And in an episode of Taggart, every time somebody was killed, there was a doll like on a windowsill with creepy music playing. But it was still a human that was killing everybody. It wasn't supernatural. Um, So... Now, I can't fully answer this because I would, you know, this is like a research paper, Binky. I could go on with this one for years. But in my opinion, and if anyone has got an opinion they'd like to add, that would be great. I think that we look for the similarities in those stories. So if somebody says, oh, so-and-so had this story of the the spooky, like the slender man that's a good one. I remember my daughter being obsessed with the slender man, you know, and all of a sudden lots of people are talking about tall, thin, creepy men with long arms and long legs. but actually, if you were to pick it apart in some in some things he's wearing a coat, in other things he's wearing a hat, in other things he's furry it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's seeing exactly the same thing. And now I feel like I sound like the sceptics on the Uncanny podcast and I'm annoyed with myself. But that is honestly how I feel. Um, There is. I don't believe. Yeah, I feel that we are just. Picking the bits that make the best story. And let's be honest, we can get spooked by anything. Little kids, babies, adults. Zombies, vampires. I mean, I love it all. I love it all. The thing that goes bump under your bed. I mean, we're all collectively afraid of the dark, aren't we? We all I mean, I'm not I like to sleep in the dark. But the, the dark is where the shadows are. The dark is where we think there are things coming to get us because we all have imagination. Like the wonderful film that is The Blair Witch Project, which I think is only scary to you if you have a really overactive imagination, because nothing that scary happens in it. It's all of the stuff that you imagine that you can't see that is what is scary. Hmm. And there we go. And so if things. Are- do exist in our collective consciousness and I'm not saying they don't binky all I'm offering here is my opinion and an opinion is is like an arsehole it should never be offered (laughs) well there you go (laughs) but if they did exist in our collective consciousness what makes that difference to spirit is that spirit is an intelligence it's unlimited and it comes from a place of nothing but love so spirit exists in the purest sense on a completely different frequency to anything that can be perceived by our human brains that is the part of the purpose of being here in the human existence is that we are disconnected from our true selves and only really able to open up to such a small part of it So that's the difference. Anything that is created by man, even if it's created by the best man that ever lived and the most high high vibrational man that's ever lived, it is still at a lower vibration than that of spirit, which is the ultimate vibration. And one can only imagine. Does that answer your question, Binky? I hope so. Let me know if that really didn't, because... That was that was a good one. I loved it. Right, let me have a look. Who's next? And I've had an email um, message about psychosis and the line between spirituality and psychosis. And in honesty, I will never shy away from any question that is emailed to this podcast. But I just don't know. Because I am aware that some people... Think that I am as mad as a box of frogs. And I'm aware of that, but I'm also aware that there are some people that do need help and are having and suffering from mental imbalance, unwellness. So I don't know where the line is between spirituality and psychosis, but the best piece of advice I can give you is that spirit are always good. In my experience, spirit are always good. They always are positive. They want you to live the best life that you can. They want to love you and they want to look after you. And that is where I feel spirit is. So anything you experience that is, aside from that, I would say, it's not necessarily psychosis, but is limited by your perception, your belief system and your consciousness. So an answer that isn't fully an answer, but that's the best that I can give you. And I hope that that helps sending you lots of love for your healing journey. And I just want to share, I guess, on that note, When I was at university, I only lasted six months at university and then I drank my entire student loan and I left. And I was in a very, very, very unhappy and difficult place. Um, It just wasn't the right place for me and I shouldn't have gone and I felt like I was letting everybody down and I had mental health issues and it it was a really difficult time. But I can remember one night where... I'd been drinking and I was sat in my room and I used to listen to really miserable music and uh, all very grungy and very unhappy because I'm unhappy and this is unhappy and such unhappiness, so festering in my own vibration (laughs) and pulling myself down. And one night as I was lying in bed in my halls of residence, I saw a hooded figure that looked a little bit like the grim reaper crawl in my bedroom window. And I was absolutely petrified. I turned on the light and there was nothing there. And I have no doubt that that was either a dream, and I'd fallen asleep and I hadn't realised that I had, or a physical manifestation of my mental state. But it was not spirit. And I know it was not spirit. And so I guess in that scenario for me that was a form of psychosis but it was the catalyst for me realising that things needed to change and I needed to make better choices for my health and my wellness and that nobody else was going to do it for me. I had to do it and it was kind of useful because it was such a wake-up call that I did then decide to quit and I went and got a job and that was the best thing for me that I ever could have done because what I needed was a proper job where I had to rock up and I had to be a grown-up and that really did sort me out and help me at that time. So it served a purpose no doubt but I do not believe that that was spirit because I do not believe that spirit would want to scare or upset me. Yeah, interesting. Next up, I have a voice recording from Valerie who wants to share her story with us.
3: Hi, Hannah. Um, Valerie here. Um, I wanted to leave a message for you that you can choose to play or not play for your listeners. Um, I hope they understand my Scottish accent. Um. I've been in tune with spirit since I was a child. I remember being um, a little bit afraid, actually, as a child. Uh, I was able to see things and hear things. And I remember saying to my mother that I was terrified of the lady that sat on the end of the bed, um, which I felt, even though I was very small, was my grandmother and my mother telling me. Me not to be afraid because if it was my grandmother or or any passed over relative, that they would absolutely not be there to frighten me. That they loved me, and that they wouldn't. They would stop visiting if it was too frightening for me and it, it did actually stop and I didn't find out until I was an adult, actually not from my mother but from her sister, my aunt uh, that lots of things had been happening in, in our home that they had kept from me uh, cigar smoke from my grand granddad who'd passed over um, and tears uh, teardrops on their hands and arms and things like that so In saying that, my mother was quite a sceptic, even though there was um, undeniable evidence. Uh, I think she was also just afraid and didn't want it to be true. So uh, I'll skip forward now to when, um, just a couple of years ago, my mother was terminally ill and on the day that she died, that's what I'm going to tell you about um the, the hospital staff told us that she would absolutely not pass over that day, that she was still chatting and, um, you know, having making urine, going, you know, things like that. And so her body was definitely not at the end. And family members were coming and going. And at one point, it was just her and I. And she opened her eyes and said that she was tired. And then she she looked at me and said, "It's time for me to go." And I said, uh, "Do you mean go?" And pointed up. <laughs> and she said, "Yeah." So I then called my sisters and said, "You know, she knows better than anyone else. So I think you should come." And so we kind of divided up the time between us so that she wouldn't be alone at any point, uh, although she was in the hospital. Um, uh, the nurses were still saying the same thing, your mother's not going to pass over today. And, and uh, I said to my sister, uh, I don't believe that. Uh, in the middle of the night, at, you know, about, well, it was about two o'clock in the morning, there was unfortunately a family in the room next to ours who was also losing a relative and they were screaming and crying and being very noisy. The staff had asked them a few times to try and keep the noise down. Uh, Obviously, they were distraught at what was happening, but it it was quite impactful for all of the other patients and families. And my sister and I were sat on either side of the bed, holding my mother's hands. And she hadn't spoken for a while, a few hours. And um, you know when you have that feeling up your spine. (laughs) And my sister and I both looked up at the same time and looked at each other, uh, realising that we'd both felt the same thing at the same time. And my sister uh, whispered to me, I, I think I think our dad is here. Who my father passed away um, fourteen years ago, and I was about to speak, and my mother opened her eyes for the first time in a few hours, and said, "Yes, he is," and then she closed her eyes again, and then she took a deep breath in and out. And then she didn't breathe in again, and she was gone. And it was the most peaceful passing I have ever seen in my whole life. And um, she looked peaceful. I, you know, I had to call my brother to come, and we we both said, "You know, don't be frightened. She looks <laughs> she looks more peaceful than I have seen her for for a long, long time." Um, obviously uh, we were at the hospital for quite a long time Uh, there was lots of paperwork and other family members came and um, we sat with my mother for a while and by the time I got home from that time it was 2 o'clock, well just before 2 when she passed it must have been closer to 5 or 6 in the morning and... Um, I tiptoed into my son's bedroom. Uh, He was asleep and um, I just got onto the bed and lay down and I was exhausted. And as I turned over, um, completely unexpectedly, my mum and dad were standing in the room um, there was no no verbal communication I didn't hear anything from them I didn't sense they were saying anything at all but my dad had his arm around my mother's shoulders and they were just smiling and uh, it, it was a shimmery a shimmery vision that slowly faded away and um I thought thank goodness and um Drifted off to sleep. I think that is probably the most powerful experience that I've ever had because it was my own parents. But I know there's, you know, I I have so much less fear about passing over myself now. <laughs> um, it's not the first time something like this has happened. Um, when my grandfather was passing away. Uh, my mother was in the room, uh, with actually lots of relatives were in the room. He passed away at home and um, he pointed to the corner of the room and said, who's that woman? And my mother was actually the closest person to where he was pointing and I said, that's, that's my mum, that's Dorothy. And um, he said, no, not her, the woman beside her. And then he said, oh, it's my mother she's come for me. So I've I've been through, you know, these experiences before. I think our family are quite, um, despite being quite a strict Catholic, I hear my great-grandmother who who passed away before I was born used to read the tea leaves for the street. (laughs) So I think our family are, are quite in tune with spirit. Anyway, um, sorry for rambling on. I know that um, other people like to hear stories where, maybe you know, it definitely put my my worry to rest about the the last moments. Um, I know that we kind of think they might be traumatic or frightening, or and honestly, that's not not my experience at all. And I thought that that might help other people. I, I love the podcast. It's such fun um, and so informative. Um, I, I hope to join this, the, your school at some point uh, after the summer. Uh, and I really look forward to that. OK, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you. What a lovely, amazing, incredible profound and heartwarming story and I am so grateful that you shared that with us. Just beautiful. And so I will end on that fantastic note so we can all just think about the wonder of Valerie and Valerie's story and I will catch up with you all again on Thursday. Have a great couple of days.